celebration for the dogs. Batted down and ASU wins. It's Parson. Oh, how about the patience by Dietrich? And he's up and running. Parson, see you later. Hello and welcome back to Pacific Point of View. I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Cole Tomadova. And together we are the Pacific Point of View, trying a number of new things today. We're all over the place. The mega seg's broken, which never helps with, with all the little things. But we're, uh, we're live on Riverside right now. I, I guess we're not live. It's not going anywhere. But we are recording. So we'll see if that leads to anything. But... Uh, hopefully money. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully money. That's kind of the goal here. But... Uh, let's just start things off uh, with Wheaties. We're not going to do a soundbite today. Uh, what's the most memorable college football game you've ever attended? This is a tough one for me. i got to go 2013, late in the season, ASU on the road against number 14 UCLA. It was my first conference road game ever as an ASU fan, and it was an incredible experience. The Rose Bowl was like 90% full, if you can imagine that. Uh, it was it was a great atmosphere and a, it was a beatdown in the first, first half. half. ASU, ASU. took bad. it. To, yeah, you're good. Uh, took it to UCLA. Bruins came back, but ultimately, ASU got the job done, clinched the Pac-12 South, and it was, in my opinion, I think the pinnacle of ASU football in my lifetime. Hawaii football, 2009 versus Navy. It was a nationally televised game. Wow. 40,000 people at Aloha Stadium when they were still playing football there. I was eight years old. I vividly remember this. Hawaii was on a three-game winning streak. They were five and six heading into this game, and they needed this one and the next one to go to a bowl game because they played 13 games that season. Ken Niumatalolo was still the head coach at Navy. Place was packed, and UH had back-to-back sacks to beat Navy 24-17. The entire stadium was shaking. Like, I thought it was going to collapse at one point. Uh, Hawaii eventually lost the next game to J.J. Watt in Wisconsin, so we did not make a bowl game, mm. but that game was lit in itself. That's pretty fun. Uh, 2010. The Civil War, Oregon State versus Oregon. It was college game day. Mm. I met Aaron Andrews pregame. I was obviously, you know, 10 years old. Uh, I can still remember packed house. Oregon State wore their giant killer jerseys versus the Ducks. Jaquiz Rogers punches it in the end zone to go up 7-0. We ended up losing the game, but that was a Ducks team that went to the national title. And I, it's just really cool, especially in hindsight. And I was so young, I can remember I didn't really care that much that we lost. Right. I, I just had a great time. So, uh, but with with every game that's you know being fantastic, eating their Wheaties. I don't know how the analogy works there, but there's there's other games that are eating their Fruit Loops. So what's the what's the worst college football game that you've attended? If a college football game ever was eating its Fruit Loops, it would be ASU Washington State from a couple years ago. Bingo. That was an absolute atrocity, and I, my. I'm going to say endurance when it comes to watching bad football is pretty good. I can endure a lot. That was unwatchable. The first half was brutal. And you guys have to remember, ASU had expectations at that point. Yeah. Washington State was what, like 5-4? and four. They weren't nothing crazy. Rolo had just gotten fired. Uh, ASU lost to Utah, but Oregon State had beaten Utah the previous week. So ASU was right back in it. We're coming off a of bye week. We're rocking those like joker themed halloween uniforms i'm like okay as i mean i've never seen a team look that checked out in my entire life yeah 
and it was it was horrible. I want to say it was 35 to 7 at halftime. I left shortly after. It was one to forget. Last year, ASU versus Eastern Michigan. Um, that was the game. I worked the tailgate for that for three quarters, stacking tables, chairs, restocking, I don't know, soda, beer, you name it. Basically what Budge does at the convention center. Yeah. But during this football during game, game, I came in during the fourth quarter. Half the place was empty. Everyone looked dejected. It just seemed like a miserable atmosphere. Yeah, uh, mine is also ASU Washington State, and I, I would try to think of another one, but uh, that one was just so bad. It was the morning after Halloween as well, and it was a noon kickoff just in the blazing sun, and yeah, the, the performance on the field was absolutely pathetic, and it wasn't even, like, there was nothing. There was nothing to watch. It was just like, this is miserable. Can we please go it, home? It was two fumbles on the first two drives. Yeah. It was like 14 to nothing two minutes into the game. I think the only one having fun was Cole watching Delora cook. That was uh, the And only... even then, it wasn't so much Delora. I mean, Delora had a good game. But ASU just, I, it was more on ASU than anything else. It was but like, yeah, Delora yeah. took care of business. Uh, so let's go ahead and jump forward to the big picture. We are in the midst of the transfer portal window number two. Uh, the portal closes in four days. So April 30th, oh. there's no more entering the portal. However, you can still, like, be once you're in the portal, you have until May 15th. So the portal still technically open until the 15th, but you can only declare for the portal until the 30th. But a few uh, pretty notable names. First, we got Tyler Buckner into the portal. Uh, so a guy that was a four-star, highly touted four-star at Notre Dame. But lost a job to Drew Pine last year, and now lost a job to Sam Hartman this year. So where's he headed? I think Stanford. Stanford appear would appear to be a fit for me because they're one of the only Power 5 teams that don't have an obvious quarterback. I mean, if you say Ari Patu, really, you know? Yeah. Uh, it kind of reminds me of where ASU was at with Emory Jones last year. It was like, it might not look like a fit on paper, but... He's the only good quarterback available. Here's the only decent school that has an opening. Make it happen. In my opinion, that that's where we're headed. I've seen some connections to the SEC, so Auburn I would go. Hugh Freeze, quarterback guy, new coach, new system. Probably an easier path to becoming the starting QB uh, you know, than an Alabama per se with RDA. Probably a QB room that they feel confident with. Um, and Robbie Ashford, I think, is the guy that's at Auburn right now. He is. Not too sure how good of a QB he is. There's been mounting pressure on Auburn because they haven't gotten a quarterback, and some yeah. people are saying, oh, that's promising, that means Ashford's their guy, but other people are saying, oh, they've whiffed, they whiffed it. I think Spencer Sanders and Grayson McCall academically wasn't good enough to get in there. Um, I, Tyler Buckner, I believe, is going to Alabama, and there have been rumblings because of this, and it sounds weird. You're like, what? Why would that happen? But you start to look into the details. First thing is, he put a no-contact tag on his portal entry, which I didn't know that was possible. Huh. But you can put a tag on your portal entry, basically telling teams, do not contact me. I've already made up my mind, or I think I know where I'm going. And he has a visit scheduled for Alabama already, oh. with his former offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, on okay. the staff. And so... It is technically still possible that he schedules another visit, and maybe he just hasn't scheduled them yet. But currently, especially with Milrow and Simpson not exactly killing it at the spring game, it is just a spring game, there might be something there. My I question would be, why would you ever put a no-contact tag on yourself? 
I mean, if someone came out, if Colorado came out tomorrow and said, we'll give you $3 million to come here, oh, sorry, you can't contact me with that offer because I already said I'm going to Bama for $5. He just got his mind made up, Cole. It's not about the money to some people. Some people <laughs> just like the ball. <laughs> All right. Um, so there you know, lots of other players in the portal. Uh, let's, let's throw out some of the names that you saw maybe enter the portal, maybe a little under the radar, maybe still on the radar, but and where you potentially think they might land. The first one that comes to mind for me is uh, Jordan Tyson, the Colorado wide receiver, was one of the many buffs who hit the portal after their spring game. I think, I don't know if it was one of you guys or both of you guys had him as your offensive player of the year for Colorado, but yeah. he, mm-hmm. he blew up against ASU. He had a was great game. I could see him going, staying kind of in the Pac-12 footprint. I said Arizona because I think they need that second wide receiver. Um next to cowing and then oregon i feel like oregon is constantly loading up on skill players they, they you know there's so much room there that it seems like they never run out of room for wide receivers and running backs so i'm gonna say he stays in the pac-12 and goes to one of those two um uh, two guys ben bryant quarterback from cincinnati yes. last year yes saw some rumors maybe he might be going to auburn he had like 2700 passing yards last year 21 tutties so no he's a veteran guy. He knows what he's doing. And Cameron Johnson, I saw, hit the portal. He's an offensive lineman from Houston. He's currently taking a visit to Colorado this week. Uh, he didn't allow a sack in over 500 blocks, and he has two years left of eligibility as a redshirt sophomore. So, big upside for him. Yeah, it is. Jordan Tyson, a guy I shouted out. I just shouted out two guys from Colorado. Tyson, because the three years of eligibility he has left, that is huge. Jordan Tyson could be somewhere for a long time contributing. And then there's Montana Lamonius Craig. Shout out to him for being a road to glory legend for me. Joseph Giacalone, quarterback for Mm. Colorado. Montana Lamonius Craig, I throw to. Um, Very talented. What's funny, the reason I wanted to shout out him is because he on Twitter was posting, literally live posting, whenever a new team offered him, he just posted a Twitter thing like, hey, West Virginia just offered me. Hey, this team just offered me. And so based on those... Uh, I'd say West Virginia and Oregon State might as well, you know, battle it out. We'll settle what what we didn't settle with the JT Daniels exactly. thing. Try time for Oregon State to get him back. The Beavers it would be really nice to get another wide receiving option. Right now, we've just got Anthony Gould and a bunch of goons Ooh. right now. So Silas Bolden too, I guess. Uh, but there were some big commitments, guys that have actually landed. So I'll throw the name out, and uh, you guys give me your quick thoughts, quick reaction on it. Bear Alexander, the big defensive lineman, going from UGA to USC. A couple things. He's got the the Georgia logo literally tattooed on his arm. <laughs> really? So is he going to cover that? or like? Yeah. It's not in color, is it, the Georgia logo? No. Well, then it could be Gresham High School. Because okay. we have the same logo. So I could pitch to him or Grambling State. Or the Packers. Or the or Green the Packers. Bay Packers. But honestly, that D-line is going to be scary next year. you got Alexander, Anthony Lucas, who just transferred from A&M, and then Corey Foreman, that the former number one overall prospect. So that D-line... Look out next year. I know he's leaving the dogs, but he definitely has that dog in him. He was asked in an interview recently about you know his move to USC. He goes, quote, not to brag on myself, but everyone wants the big bear. And that's just so freaking cool, man. That is that is pretty cool. The, the nickname is pretty huge. And I, I see USC making some moves this year that maybe that defense is, is finally going to make that next step. Mm. into. Be, but to be fair, USC was one Pac-12 championship game collapse away from a Pac- Actually, you, if you want to take it a step further, they were one two-point conversion stop against Utah. 
from being in the playoffs last year. So, is he that good though? The fact that Georgia let him walk. So, that was my take. So, I saw some people reacting to this, saying, "Oh, Georgia, oh, they lost it." No, Georgia has insane defensive line depth, Mm -hmm. which makes sense both ways. Georgia's going to be just fine, but. Bear Alexander is a true freshman, got on the field consistently. I think he recorded like three sacks or something like that and a couple tackles for loss. And so for him to do that on that talented of a defense, that right there is what's scary. Is you're like, oh man, he was getting playing time on that defense. So mm-hmm. on USC, guaranteed playing time. And uh, there's a chance he's an absolute unit up there, which is going to be big. Brennan Thompson goes from Texas to Oklahoma, which doesn't seem like that big of a move on paper. But it is the first time in, I believe, is it 12 or 14 years that a player has transferred from one of Texas and Oklahoma to the other. Yeah, that was my big takeaway. I thought it was even crazier. Like, it's only happened a handful of times ever in the modern era of college football or something like that. So... You know, that you could argue that Red River is the most hate filled rivalry in college football. So it's it's just really weird, you know, seeing seeing a guy go from Texas to OU. And I think there's a great opportunity for him to compete for that job. I mean, down the stretch last year, I don't know if Dylan Gabriel I mean he might not be him. you know, it sucks to admit that, but if Dylan Gabriel struggles again this year between Jackson Arnold and Brennan Thompson, they'll definitely fight for that second spot. Yeah, and then uh, another big one that we saw, Chance Nolan committing to TCU. He's going to be battling it out with Chandler Morris, the guy who technically won the job over Max Duggan. So thoughts on what Nolan could do? I think Nolan absolutely could win that job. He, When Nolan is on, he can be beyond serviceable. I mean, he's a, he's a solid quarterback. You know, he has, had a good run at Oregon State. And as far as Morris goes... Yeah, he's got to be the odds-on favorite to win the job, not only because he beat Max Duggan last year, but he knows the playbook. So I think I don't expect Nolan to start, but if he does, I mean, man, that'd be crazy if he can beat out a guy who was has been in the system. I'm with you, but he couldn't even beat out Goldbranson. Uh, yeah, that's true. He couldn't beat out Goldbranson, but um, he wasn't exactly healthy for, for a lot of okay, last year, and fair. I think there was a chance that his just health was not as as good as some people thought it was down the stretch. Uh, any other big commitments you guys saw? No, no uh, other Grant commitments in the portal. <laughs> <laughs> you saw what? Grant Canell's in the portal again. Yeah, yeah. No, I shared that one. Yep. That one's pretty funny. Um, he was at North Texas, back I, in the portal again. <laughs> Grant Canell was supposed to be a legend, but we're, we're now here. Um, so the portal's been around for two full years now in its current iteration. Has the transfer portal changed the game? Because it definitely has. Has it changed the game for better or for worse? It depends on how you look at it. As a, as an ASU, if you look at it from like an ASU perspective, or let's just say a rebuilding team, it's amazing. Because when you're down on your luck, when your recruiting's dead for whatever reason, if you get the right guy in there, like a Kenny Dillingham, like Jed Fish at Arizona, you can get these guys who can step on the field, and not only do they have high upside, a lot of times... These guys are known commodities. You know, they've yeah. been playing college football. So the Band-Aid, the quick fix, that's a thing in college football now when it wasn't for years. And, you you know, if you sucked, it was going to be three years of high school rebuilding. And I think that's opened up a lot of possibilities for rebuilding teams. Especially in college basketball, this is what I've noticed. The big schools always had one and done. 
now I'm seeing teams like Hawaii have a one-and-done type of year where if you have great players on your team, this is the one chance you have to have a quality season because if they do well, they're going to be poached by the higher-paying NIL schools out there. So it forces you know, more one-year projects versus a long-term four-year developmental program. So are you saying it's better or worse? I'm going to say it's better also because... If they all flock, like, for example, with Colorado right now, yes. there's a lot of quality players that just don't have a spot in the team. Now they can fall to a team like Hawaii because there's an opening. So there's a place for you to shine almost on a small school. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's made the sport better. Uh, they need to put some guardrails in, which they already have. Yeah. They put in the rule where the one-time transfer rule, where it's like if you've already transferred, you better have a dang good reason. Otherwise, the NCAA is rejecting that. Um, so that, that actually takes effect next year, and I don't, I don't feel like it's been publicized a ton. Uh, but I, the, honestly, the best side effect, I think, of this has been just how dynamic it makes college football. I mean, if you are a starting caliber quarterback in college football, you don't even have a concern about, oh, do I have to sit out a year? You just go. Go find a job. And it, I think it just has made stuff so electric. And you look at all the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 specifically right now, this would not be possible without the transfer portal. We wouldn't have Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix all here at the same time. Shout out to COVID eligibility, too. That helped it a little. And DJ Wuyangale, I guess. So it's just really awesome to see that kind of thing happening. What about for programs like Texas, and we'll get into this later, Oregon State, where you have a backup QB, an Arch Manning, an Aiden Childs, who you know has great potential, yes. but you're not going to start him this year. Are you concerned that, oh, gosh, we're planning for this year, but we might lose the guy for next year and the year after that. I think it's well, I. Yeah, go ahead, Aiden. Yeah, I think, and when it comes to a situation like Arch Manning, when he committed to Texas, he had to have known that he was going to be sitting behind. There was a, a good chance he was going to have to sit behind Ewers. Yeah, and you know you'll hear Kenny Dillingham talk about it. I think with the portal is it forces coaches and recruiters to be transparent, and you can't lie. Because I think when that happens, it's when guys are getting told, hey, you're going to start day one, man. Like if Jaden Rashada got told, you're the guy, and then he gets benched, wow. you best believe he's going to transfer. In my opinion, and, you know, guys change their minds. That happens too. Yeah, I think, I think you, it's a, a number of things. You've got to be able to trust in your, like, system, trust that, hey, we're not going to start Childs this year because he's not ready, something like that, and then trust in the player and in the character of the guy you've got. Like, he's going to stick out at his commitment. So, But that's also tough. I know there was drama around Montana Lamonius Craig where apparently he was telling all his buddies, oh, yeah, let's go Buffs. And then he was like, I am not going to be here. I am not going to be here because he probably looked around at the, like, four elite wide receivers they got in the portal and Travis Hunter and said, huh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to start around here. But, uh, it's all commitment issues out here. <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say is worse from a certain party's perspective, I'd say for coaches. Yeah. Because for coaches, that two to three year unspoken like leash you got before, gone. Yeah. And then for Sonny Dykes to go on this run at this time, at the peak of the transfer portal, there are going to be some insane expectations. Go win right now. Especially, imagine Colorado goes out there and they win... Nothing crazy. They win like six or seven games. Game. People are going to be like, huh, wait a minute. That was one year. Like, what's stopping you from doing that? So yeah. I just think for coaches, maybe not so much. And having to double recruit your roster. So, like, imagine how exhausting that is to get the commitment and then have to basically 
recruit them to stay while they're still in school. Every year. It's just insane. Yeah, there, there's a, the other thing where they're recruiting like two classes ahead as well. Yeah. Like currently Nick Saban's out there recruiting his 2025 recruiting class. He's also trying to convince his guys to stay in the roster. He's recruiting this current recruiting class. Like there is a lot to do as a college football head coach right now. So may, I don't know. They, people have talked about putting restrictions on how far ahead you can recruit. That mm. way, that doesn't happen, but hmm. definitely, I'm glad I'm not a college football coach right now. Well, actually, you know, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be fun. That'd be pretty <laughs> fun, but it would be pretty exhausting. Um, the SEC announced they were, or this was actually just reported, but the SEC is considering bigger punishments for field storming instead of fines, including the removal of home games and straight up vacating wins. What are your thoughts on that? Why? Why? Is like seriously, I, I I don't understand. Like, is it is it a damage? Is it a liability thing? You know, I, I couldn't imagine why you would vacate a win and just the just how irrational him. that is. I mean, yeah, just do a little slap on the hand, you know, and you got your message across. Obviously, the school's not going to listen to you, but it's college football. Yeah, you don't get field storming in any sport anymore, other than college football and really college sports in general. So I hate it. I think it's stupid. But like I said, I, I just don't understand it. So and if we talk about vacating wins, it's going to delegitimize conference standings, playoff. I mean, there's no way these ADs, board of directors, are going to agree to that. Yeah. I mean, it's the NCAA. So they, they, can, they can do that if they want. Um, oh, boy. But what I, I have two takeaways to this. I think the first takeaway is I think they're bluffing. I think they're bluffing a little bit. And I think that this is just a scare tactic. Because if they, if they were, for example, it was just a reporter who said the SEC is considering this. The SEC probably just fed, like, hey, go tell everybody that we're going to remove wins. And they were like, oh, okay. And they went and reported it. And now, hopefully, they, they hope everybody's just completely scared out of their minds. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we probably shouldn't storm the fields anymore. So I feel like that's probably a little bit of what's going on. I can't remember the second thing I was going to say, though. Have you guys, I don't know why I mean, well, I know why it made me think of this. Have you guys seen, I think it was 2012, the Utah-BYU game where Utah prematurely stormed the field. Yeah. But BYU still had to make a kick. Yes. He missed the kick, but as he was making the kick, Utah was storming the field, so he had to re-kick it again and ultimately miss. So, like... It literally had an effect on the game True. at that point. I'm, didn't the ref say something like, we will assess a 15-yard penalty if yes. you guys rush? That was my it, second takeaway. And it got scooted away. up. If they yeah. make this a rule, we are all showing up to, I don't know, ASU plays Bama. We're going to dress in Bama gear, and we're going to storm the field at the end of the game and get that win vacant. Exactly. That's what we're going to do. So it definitely, definitely would be... Not fun. It would suck. That's a loophole right there. That is 100% that is a, loophole. a huge loophole. Think about it. If you get enough people on board, yes. like UAB comes to town, we're like, all right, we're going to take down Bama, boys. Uh, let's go to Colt's Corner where he's going to tell us uh, where we can put our money. Um, I actually forgot what happened last week with my bets. But this week is a new week. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think you actually hit <laughs> a one. A vote of confidence. Okay. The, I don't think we've had a 9 dart finish yet, boys. Uh, the Miami Heat have a 3-1 lead on the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Um, they're minus 134 to close out this series and bet on it. Okay, Only 13 teams in the history of the NBA have come back from a 3-1 lead. It's happened. There's been 273 3-1 leads. It's only happened 13 times since 1947. So bet on the history. 
number four overall pick. We have the NFL draft on Thursday. The fourth pick is the Indianapolis Colts. Will Levis is plus 120. This is, is easy money. They're comparing wow. this guy to Josh Allen. Uh, strong arm, big frame, 30-plus inch vert is what I saw. Wow. Um, hmm. I don't, as a Colts you know, fan supporter, I don't love the pick. I think C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Will Levis. Um, but when we think about what Colts quarterbacks look like, Will Levis, he's got that experience, the physical traits. His S2 cognition score was way higher than uh, some of the other <laughs> quarterbacks out there. Also, did I mention he's white? And so this just feels like a Colts <laughs> quarterback uh, through and through. Yeah. I would sprinkle. Okay, so I don't know why he's dropping. I don't know if it's because of this test score thing. But C.J. Stroud, a month ago, was the number two overall pick. Now he's plus 450 behind Levis, Tyree Wilson, and Will Anderson. I would sprinkle some money there. I, I don't know why he's falling. How much money is a sprinkle? About ten bucks. Ten. Wow, that's a sprinkle. Yeah, wow. that's a sprinkle. How much is a scoop? Twenty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> what about a? What a pint. <laughs> what a fifteen. Fifteen's a pint. Gallon. Fifty bucks. Wait, a sprinkle is a ten, and a pint is fifteen. Cool. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Um, I have a quote for you guys, though. It's from uh, South Park, Eric Cartman. He says, Stan, don't you know the first law of physics? Anything that's fun costs at least $8. Wow. All right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Pop culture references. I, nice from Eric Cartman. Well, this is a Pac-12 show, so it's time to get to the Pac-12 newsletter where the thing that has been dominating headlines, we could have put this in the big picture because... People will not let you hear the end of it. Colorado loses nearly 20 players to the portal after the spring game, which brings the total to like 51. And they had a pretty big high school decommitment. And so people are theorizing, was the ESPN spring game a mistake? Is Are things falling apart in Colorado? Do you think this is a big deal? Or, or what do you think, Hayden? When I kind of looked at it at the surface level, yeah, it looks bad when you just read the bold headline, 20 decommitments, Jawan Johnson, four-star decommits. But I think, I think you made a good point, and I, other people have been talking about it too. They, had, they were over their kind of yeah. allotted amount of, of scholarship spots. So naturally, you're going to get transfers. And on top of that, he literally said yeah. in his introduction to the players, guys, Hit the portal. I've got I've got my guys coming in. I got my luggage and yeah, it's Louie. And it's, it's Louie. Look, it, this is all part of the plan for Dion. I think people are just just kind of wanting to hate a little bit and you know read too much into things. And as far as the spring game goes, look, I, why not? It's 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 exposure for a program that's coming off a one win season. And let's be real, the blue bloods, if they want to come in and pluck your guy, they're gonna pluck your guy. It doesn't matter. If you're playing on ESPN or Pac-12 Network, like you best believe, if Elijah Badger, like I'm sure teams were reaching out to Elijah Badger, you know, yes. ASU didn't have to play in a nationally televised spring game, so Colorado's going to be fine. Uh, it was a great opportunity for those guys that shined on that nationally televised spring game. Um, I'd be concerned if Travis Hunter or his literal son entered the transfer portal, but because <laughs> we don't have that, I don't think he's concerned. Since this news blew up, Chaz Wallace and Brendan Gant, who one of them is like an outstanding Florida State defender, the other guy, I can't remember what team he's from at the moment, they've committed to Colorado since that was announced. Those guys all transferring out has opened up 
some scholarship spots, and Dion is getting more guys. And then the one that, for some reason, people were stuck on is because Montana Lamonius Craig had a great spring game. He had, like, over 100 yards receiving. People are stuck on that, like, oh, my goodness. Like, they lost Montana Lamonius Craig. They have Travis Hunter coming in, who will play wide receiver. They have Jimmy Horn Jr., who is a starting wide receiver for South Florida. And then their other star receiver, Xavier Weaver, also coming into town. Not to mention Willie Gaines, another star receiver from Jackson State. Not to mention Seydou Traore, who was at Arkansas State last year and was the best tight end in the entire group of five. So, calm down. Everyone needs to calm down. And not to mention, if you're Dion, he definitely doesn't read the national media stuff, so he probably isn't reacting. But you told everyone this was going to happen. You yeah. said, we're going to have a lot of guys transferring because it's not the caliber of player we want here. Because the team went 1-11 last year. Yeah. So, Which is fair. Yes. I, I think Deion Sanders has the same thing Arch Manning has, and it's where people just love to hate him. So they're going to find every little excuse to be like, the sky is falling, yeah. look, the, whatever. I mean, no one's talking about ASU lost a bunch of guys, too. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's similar situation in that, you know, maybe not the same caliber of players are coming in, but you're coming off a one-win season, a three-win season. Stuff's got to change. There's going to exactly. be lots of movement. The other thing that annoys me is knowing, like, for example, Colorado goes out and they win four games next year. Uh-huh. Obviously not great by most team standards, but from Colorado standards, one win to four yeah. wins, maybe two conference wins in there, that's pretty good. But people are going to be like, I told you, trash, Dion's a fraud. <laughs> and you're going to be like, what? Like, that was a 1-11 team, and they're in a really deep conference right now. But And then you're going to get the response, the Pac- it's the Pac-12. It's a garbage yeah. conference, and uh-huh. it's just, you can't win. You can't win online. I feel like I'm just <laughs> projecting a lot. Um, <laughs> we've got we've got some buzz from Oregon State spring camp. Uh, Aiden Childs is getting just praise from everyone. John Canzano, every guy that is around Oregon State, talking about his arm. He had great plays during the spring game. So is DJ in trouble? And who would you pick out of those two guys right now? Look. I don't think Aiden Childs is a threat for this year uh, for the same reason that I don't think, like, Rashada is knocking on the door for ASU. Like, he is, but at the same time, I would be very surprised if either or both of those guys started for their respective teams. Look, this is an amazing problem to have. Yep. If it's, I wouldn't even call it a problem. It's just yeah. a, it's a great situation for Oregon State. You're looking at last year where the QB room was – Basically, one of the only liabilities on the entire team. Yeah. And it's just stacked this year. You got DJ, you've got Childs, and you've got Goldbranson, who we've talked about is looking really good. Um, ultimately, I do think DJ will be the guy, but with the two guys he's got behind him, and Ch- you know Childs and Goldbranson, it's got to be a short leash. Uh, I don't think it's a situation where it's like, look, DJ's the guy. We're you know tried and true like. It needs to be 100% performance-based, and the minute he starts going into a slump, make a move. And and I don't mean like seven games into the season if he has a bad game. I mean like early on. Yeah. So I do think Childs will be the guy next year, though, and I think he's going to have a similar effect that Cam Rising had on Utah, where like Utah didn't have phenomenal quarterbacks, but the minute Cam Rising stepped in there, he took it to the next level. And yep. You know, while they might have different skill sets, I could see 
him having a similar impact if these reports are true. What was Utah's quarterback's name? The long hair? Travis something? Travis Wilson. Travis Wilson. Yes. Absolute B. He was there forever, <laughs> it felt like. Yeah. I can't even... Yeah, it was like Travis Wilson, and then they had quarterback issues after that. It was like Huntley for a couple years. Huntley and was oh, good, right. though. He, Huntley yeah, was he wasn't baller. bad. But you're right. They did have a few seasons in there where they were putting some goobers out of quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie Brewer before. Oh, yeah. Brewer yeah. for a game, for literally one game. Yeah. And then it was like, ah, he's, he's cooked. Uh, keep them in your back pocket. That's what they should do. If DJ starts to struggle, if they lose to San Jose State, San Diego State, even a Wazoo, yeah, then you put Childs in. And also, we were talking about commitment earlier. If Childs is that good, if he's committed to the Beavs, then he will stay. But if he wants to leave, he can also leave at any time. So it's not like putting him in now does anything for his, will he stay another year here? Yeah, Childs is the real deal, and I've been knowing this. Like Aiden Childs is an absolute beast, and I am leaning towards starting Childs at this point. Oh, wow. wow! And I've gone away from my Ben Gobrants and drunkenness. I've I've, I've put, placed that aside. But at this point, the buzz that you hear, and from what I watched in the spring game, Uwe Youngle like threw a pick. He had like one like decent throw. It's just a spring game. Childs is out there. <laughs> it is just a spring game. Don't care. Um, it, but Childs is just looks so good and is so athletic. And Uyangle, they talk about the upside, the upside, the upside. And I'm like, why hasn't he shown this upside? He played for years at Clemson, and they're like everything I read, I kid you not, the word upside comes out when they're talking about Uyangle. And I'm like, what about the present side we're seeing yeah. of Childs right now? Childs probably got to eat a big sandwich to to get some weight on those bones, but uh. I, I would be leaning slightly Childs, but I'm going to, you know, go back to my, my previous statement that I usually end with, and that's I trust Jonathan Smith, whatever he yep. wants to do. DJ said in a report that he thought the Clemson football offense didn't do very much. So he's just ripping them. That's that's the other thing, I think. I think that Uyunglele feels way too comfortable. He's doing all these ESPN interviews and, yeah. and publicity things thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm the starter. It's like, I don't know, man. I feel like either of these two guys could start you over you because I think Childs could start just for the fact that he's young, he's athletic, he, his arm looks super powerful. I thought Goldbranson had a chance back when I thought Childs would redshirt, and that was because I thought Goldbranson was going to make less mistakes, operate better within the offense. But here goes DJ. Well, we'll see. We'll see if he actually gets the start. I want him to. I want to see him out there. But uh, <laughs> The upside comments are puzzling because the whole reason you go out and get DJ is – is that you'd be getting someone who's a plug-and-play. That's a known commodity, but... Like, DJ DJ has proven to an extent that he can be really good. He's just inconsistent. So, I don't understand. But I, I kind of agree. I, I feel like I want to see Childs out there because I, I think he's probably head-to-head -head a better quarterback right now. Yeah. Uh, Childs, it, it's just, like you said, it's a good problem to have. Dan Lanning talks about uh, correlation between game day atmosphere and recruiting in relation to his time at Georgia as the defensive coordinator and talking about how that really helps. Definitely trying to create some buzz for the Oregon spring game. Yep. Um, how much of an impact do you think that that in-game atmosphere actually has on the recruits? I'm going to say it depends on like the recruit. But wow. I, I do think so. I think it does. I think some kids don't care and they, you know... You look at a Stanford who's never had a great atmosphere, but like the style that they played, you know, they got we were able to b draw some some big kids because of that. And there's there's so much to recruiting, but I think it actually has a huge impact for the most part. Uh, you look at 
especially when you're in a dead heat between two programs. It can be that one extra factor that might make you lean one way, right? You look at, take South, say you're between South Carolina and UCLA, right? Two solid programs, both on the upside, but you just took your visit to the Rose Bowl. It's 40% full, and they just played a conference game against Washington State. Meh. And then South Carolina's playing Missouri, and it's sold out, raucous. They've got sandstorm going. You best believe the recruit is probably going to South Carolina. At least I would. So that's why I always get, like, embarrassed when, when like, Sun Devil Stadium isn't sold out for an important game because yeah. it should be. And it does make a difference, in my opinion. It's everything. I mean, not to sound like Drake here, but <laughs> atmospheres are the heartbeat of the sport, okay? It's, it's what attaches that emotional connection, the goosebumps, the adrenaline. Without atmosphere, you lose, you know, the buy-in from the players, the, the fans, the coaches, everything. It's, it's college football in a nutshell. Yeah, you've obviously got some players where it's like... like Teams that don't have good atmosphere aren't landing zero players, and that's because guys are willing to go places for scheme fit, for playing time, for coaches, for stuff like that. But every recruit would be lying if they said, oh, yeah, I'm not hoping the seats get filled for tonight and 45,000 people watch my amazing one-handed sick grab. Like, no, everyone wants that eventually. So I feel like if they're at all on the fence or even if it's like it's just kind of close – atmosphere is going to trump that, especially if they're doing an in-person visit. I know Uyunglele did not even do a visit to Oregon State before he committed, so apparently that didn't matter to him. He just talked about how the pro-style offense fits him more. So there's some players like that, but that's a pretty rare thing. He's trying to get into the NFL, so that's what right. he's doing. I, I think most players would definitely agree, yeah, atmosphere would help a lot. So... I'm sure that factored into Jaden Daniels going from some empty ASU games to LSU yeah. Death Valley night game. Yeah. True. That is, that is 100% true. Those games are pretty and, electric. Uh, and the, uh, you know, Livy. investigation. Yeah. Well, that too. That, uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> we were on different pages. <laughs> I was like, oh, Livy's watching your game, so that's already a bonus. Yeah. All right. Um, we have a Pac-12 ref crisis brewing. Hey, hey what's going on here? Would you yeah. like to explain that? All right, let me pull up the article. So <laughs> uh, I saw something that the Pac-12 is losing... I want to say, like, half of its officials or something from last year. Gosh. Uh, okay, I've learned that five officials at the ref position have left the Pac-12. Four have resigned, and a fifth, Michael Mush Mothershed, the legend, after a 28-year run, has uh, retired. What? So. Wow. And, and I think a couple of those guys went to the Big Ten. So I was reading, there's, like, they pull from, I want to say, the Big Sky, and then after that, it's Division Two. So there's, like... It's almost like getting called up to the big leagues from the minors. So if this – okay, this could go one of two ways. This could be great because we already know this conference, the Pac-12, is notorious for horrendous officiating. So yeah. maybe some fresh blood will liven things up a little bit. But the unfortunate <laughs> and I'm going to say more likely scenario is that we could be in for maybe the worst year of officiating in the history of officiating which is saying something uh, about, again, the, the <sighs> conference where not only is it the on-field officiating, it's, it's everything. It's like the video room, all that stuff. Do you guys remember the Washington State-USC thing where they like called someone in to overturn a review who wasn't supposed to be there and it caused this whole scandal? 
It, I don't remember. I don't that. actually. That's it, it, it was bad. It was a couple years I remember, ago. I remember uh, just this last year, Oregon State got called for having twelve men on the field, and and they did not have twelve men on the field. So it's like, wait a minute, can these refs even count? So, and I'll never forget that one time we went to the Rose Bowl and. The Coda catch. The Coda he, he took three steps out of bounds, came back in, made the catch, and everyone's like, all right, yeah, he caught the ball. Yeah, and, just, and then they reviewed it. They reviewed yeah. it, and they're like, yeah, it looks good to me. And another one I remember, this is just turning into a rant about Pac-12 officiating. Um, ASU played Colorado in 2018. Nikhil Harry's fielding a punt. A freaking guy runs off from the sideline to tackle him after he had already broken off on a run. So when you look back at it, it should have been a penalty. Uh, the Colorado player gets off the field. He goes back like behind the bench and around, what? sprints onto the field between the coaches, and just decks Nikhil. Yeah, Aaron. that's illegal. You can't do that. Yeah. Wow. So this could be really bad. And a hot take is, if we're in for that atrocious of a year officiating wise, maybe that would be enough to drive the conference apart. Just saying. I'm happy that they're coming out of the D2 just so that they're not poaching the Mountain West guys, so we don't have to deal with that over there. <laughs> but, man, D2, I, I don't know how experienced they are, uh, you know, what qualifications you need to be a D2 ref, or if they maybe recycle from a D2 game to at least an FCS game. But the fact that we're only four months away from the season and that we're having to deal with this as an issue just speaks to, as you mentioned, just the larger problems with this conference, especially as we talk about losing things to the Big Ten. We lost teams, now we lose officials. Also, the Pac-12 is paying for like the nine-dollar check mark as opposed to like the really expensive <laughs> gold one. <laughs> it's like I think the SEC is paying for like the really fancy gold badge, and the Pac-12 is like, "Hey, we'll take the eight ninety-nine one." Yeah. And it's like, we'll what split a, the difference. Bro, conference. Uh, I, I'd say just have the fans referee would be better than it typically is. So cool. <laughs> I feel like I would. I would. It would take me three quarters to realize it was just a fan refereeing. I'd be like, yeah, it's eh, you know, Pac-12. And then by third quarter, I'd be like, okay, wait, that, that last hand motion was not a call. There's a USFL and XFL. They could use those guys. Poach some rest from there. They probably wouldn't even wouldn't even come. So, yeah, Pac-12. <laughs> Pac-12 ref crisis. It's a thing we're dealing with because it's the Pac-12. But, uh, guys, the NFL draft is in less than 24 hours now. What? And, uh... Yeah, Stuck yeah. up this year. So I thought it would be a great idea if we did an official Pacific point of view mock draft. Um, How this is going to work is we rotate each person who has each pick. And uh, do we know the most about NFL? No. No, no, no. we do not. But I think it would be a fun exercise um, I'm using the uh, the PFF mock draft simulator, yeah, so we'll just <laughs> yeah yeah pull up pull up some cheap sheets if you need. You uh, can just okay. pull up the mock draft simulator as well, so you could follow uh, around, along. But to make it fun, uh, how how long we can do 15, 20 second time limits on each pick. Yeah, just rip that out. Okay, we're gonna do we're gonna do 15 second time limits. Um, who wants to take the first pick? That's, that's I'll the take question. the first pick. All right, so Hayden, we'll go Hayden, Colt, me. All right, hold on, wait, I gotta look up team your, needs. Where, <laughs> wait, where's your cheat sheet? So look up, look up um, NFL mock draft simulator. Look up that, and then you'll go to the PFF one and um, hopefully pull that up. But I'll have the main draft on my on my computer. So this is the screen that I'm that I'm looking at. Yeah, so go up to the top. Okay, and then click all. This is cursed. Click all. Wait, hold up. Okay. And then and then go down to the bottom right. Oh, no. Oh. You just turned all back off. Shoot. 
we're experiencing technical difficulties. Oh, enter and then, draft. Yep, enter draft, and then that'll show you well, the stuff. I, okay. And if you want, you can hit start draft and follow around along with the picks that are being made. Enter draft. Cole, what, what, come on, <laughs> Hayden, show Cole. Educate Cole real quick. So, turn all on. Oh, see? Anyways, guys, I wanted to take this time to, to share a message from Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace is a beautiful online platform. I'm just stalling. We're not sponsored by okay. Squarespace. <laughs> but but we've got five viewers witnessing uh, this chaos. Okay. And that's worth something. Okay. I'm are, in. Are we ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. Hayden, you are on the clock with the number one overall pick for Carolina. With the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. Well, my mic's making weird noises. Um, I'm going to take Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama, even though I cannot find him on the website. Wow. Okay. Wow. What a pick. You already drafted him. Oh, I Hayden. did? All right. Yeah. Let's okay. go. Okay. And uh, Colt, you're on the clock for the second overall pick to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans will be selecting quarterback CJ Stroud. Wow. Okay. Arizona Cardinals. Hey, you're the Cardinals. You need anything. You need a sure thing, though. No drama, no controversy. We're going to go Will Anderson Jr. Okay. to Arizona. That's the correct pick. So we got Young, Stroud, Anderson off the board. I'm going to go with Will Levis to the Colts. Uh, seems like the wow. obvious pick. Um, even though, you know, yeah, why not? Will okay. Levis. We talked about it. Okay. It seems like the obvious pick. Are we, wait, is this a projection or what we would do? Yeah, just what you would this do, is man. Our this is the Pacific, Pacific POV draft. Shop, man. All right. We're going to do an unprecedented move. We're going to go ahead and Uno... You know, screw it. We're gonna t we're gonna take Anthony Richardson, Whoa! The, uh, Florida quarterback. How do I remove Will? How Levis? do I remove that? Well, <laughs> okay, it's okay. Okay, right. yeah, it's fine. I'll edit it later. Uh, just remember that he went. Okay. Okay. Colt, you're on the clock. Okay, with the number five pick, the Seattle Seahawks. They need some offensive line help, and I'm gonna go with Peter Skoronsky. Wow. Out of Northwestern. Okay, hold on. I I refreshed my draft. Um, Peter Skoronsky. Uh, so we've taken Bryce Young. Young, Stroud, Anderson, Richardson, Skaronsky. Okay, let me update my draft so I can fix. No more, no more Uno reversing. All right. Okay, you picked you picked Richardson. That's crazy. And Colt just picked the offensive tackle, Skaronsky? Yep. Okay, with the Detroit Lions, we're going to take Jackson Smith in Jigba. Wow. He is a beast. They need a wide receiver according to this website. So we're going to take him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, with the... Las Vegas Raiders, who are in dire need of a quarterback, this seems like a natural landing spot for Will Levis, the quarterback wow. out of Kentucky. Guys, what position is Tyree Wilson? He's, he's an, an edge he's rusher. An edge rusher. Yeah, okay. Um, wait, wait. Who did you know, AR-15 going to the Raiders? Yeah. Okay. With the Atlanta Falcons pick, I'm going to go with Jalen Carter. Okay, Jalen Carter. I, I think that's a solid pick, Colt. I think you got to just go with, you know, positional Best value at that guy. point. Uh, with the Ch Chicago Bears, you know, you could always use an extra defender. And, hey, got, why not a guy we watched in the Pac-12, Christian Gonzalez, to the Bears? Mm. Seems like a good pick. Uh, let me write that in. I'm going, I'm going manual. I'm writing this down as we go. Okay, uh, okay. So we got CG going there. All right, so the Eagles. Um... This is tough. I feel like the Eagles don't have a lot of obvious needs. Uh, I don't. I don't love Four any particular pick. Hey. All right, we're gonna go <laughs> Brian Branch, the Alabama safety, tenth overall. A little bit of a Branch. reach, but we're going positional yeah, need. Here. That's a good positional pick. 
All right, the Titans, they took a quarterback last year. They don't need another running back. What do they need? They need some offensive line help, but you know what? They're going to say, screw <laughs> that. We're taking Dalton Kincaid. Oh, Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> wow, the Tennessee. All right, with the Houston Texans pick, uh, we are in desperate need of a quarterback, and so we're going to go with... Wait. What about CJ Stroud? Oh. Wait, did Stroud? Stroud went second Stroud overall. Stroud went second, yeah. Oh, wait, oh, wait. Oh, you're right. Okay, so we're good now. We're chilling. Yeah. Instead, we're going to get Stroud a weapon to throw to. We're going to go ahead with Quentin Johnston. He's the 25th ranked guy, by the way, Cole, oh, if oh, you thanks. need to find him. Uh, Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I think that's the oh, got to give him a weapon. All right, let's see. <laughs> the second quarterback would have gone this crazy. Is though. Yeah, first. all right, so we got the Green Bay Packers who oh, are baby. also in need. Well, I don't think they need a quarterback here. Let's see. Wide receiver. With Jordan end. Love. They... Uh, boy. Okay. Wide receivers. Best available. But they don't take skill players in the first That's round. That's true. That's true. Um, why don't we just go edge rusher? Let's go Nolan Smith out of Georgia. How about that? Let's do it. On the clock for the Deflatriots, Colt. Um, this... You know what? This is kind of a weird one, but... They're not going to go offense. They're going to go Tyree Wilson. I've been seeing this guy wow. in like the top five of half these mock drafts. So if he's not taken by now, that'd be no sense. Okay, <laughs> Tyree Wilson to the to the, the Patriots. Patriots. We're on to the Jets now. Uh, just got Aaron Rodgers. Jets just got Aaron Rodgers. Who are they going to add? They're going to say we're going to kill people with talent. Bijan Robinson Whoa. to help Aaron Rodgers. Even Rogers with Brees Hall. Even with Brees Hall, we're going to have a two-headed running back oh attack. Oh my god! <laughs> the just absolutely rammed his head into the wall. Holy oh my cow. God. All right, All we're right. on to the 16th Next pick. Next up, we've got the Commanders. Boring needs. They need an interior offensive lineman. All right, what are we looking at? Uh, IOL. Holy. I don't know how to use You've this You've got app. Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones. All right, let's let's go the first guy you mentioned. Paris Johnson Jr. Let's go Jr. Paris Johnson Jr. <laughs> how about that? Wow. All right, Cole. And that's crazy because the Steelers need a tackle too. Um, oof. Oof. Has Broderick Jones been taken? No, he's not. And that's where he's going. Right, Broderick <laughs> Jones to the Steelers. And now with the Detroit Lions, we're going to go with Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh, getting them a solid defensive lineman that they needed. Gotcha, gotcha. Who is that? The Buccaneers <laughs> are next. Cansey. Cansey. We're up to okay. the Buccaneers. We're, what, 19 yep. right now? Just got Baker Mayfield in the offseason. Okay. So the Bucks are in need of... All right. I can see them going with a defensive lineman. I feel like they usually go that route. Okay. Um, let's see. But you did just take Cansey. I did. You did. In that spite was a, of the Buccaneers. That sucks. Um, they're not taking a quarterback. All right. We haven't seen an O-lineman go off. Well, I just picked an O-lineman. Uh, <laughs> and Darnell. Broderick Jones. Broderick. All right. How about Darnell Wright out okay, of Tennessee? Okay, okay. Darnell Wright. This could be the worst mock draft in history. We wouldn't even know. Cole. Yeah, we have no clue. 20th pick. Not sure if this guy has been taken yet, um, but... The Seahawks with Geno, they're going to stick with Geno. We just got him an old lineman. Now we're going to get him a weapon. Let's go Jordan Addison from USC. Wow, what a pick for the Seattle Seahawks. The 21st pick, the Chargers. <laughs> what a slide. Devon Witherspoon, the fourth-rated prospect, all the way down to 21. I'm just going to say get him, quarterback yeah, for the Chargers. That, yeah, I had him going to the Bears, but 
Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got we got the Vikings next. No, 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 Ravens. The Ravens on mine. Yeah. Oh, jeez, I'm way Ravens. off right now. Twenty Who cares? seconds. Uh, you got to pick a guy hidden. You got right. ten seconds. You know what? The Ravens are need. Two. What's ED? Who's the Edge, best punter available? Edge. Edge. <laughs> Edge. Is Michael Edge. Turk available? Edge. Uh, he right. might be. There's okay. Anton Harris. All right, let's go with Luke Lucas Van Ness out okay. of, out of okay. Iowa. That's actually a decent pick. No, right that there. actually was that was not bad considering the lead up to that. All right, Colt. Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> do it for Gannon. You know, Gannon's been very high on them taking a quarterback in this draft. And you know what? There's been talks about this guy named Hendon Hooker. Oh, baby. Let's say they pull the trigger. <laughs> Hendon Hooker, Minnesota Vikings. Okay, okay. Uh, we're under the New York Giants with Donnie, and I'm going to say uh, this is a tough one. I thought we were about the Jags. Jags. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm – oh, you're right. You're right. Okay, so we're under the Jags. The Jags need an edge rusher, Miles Murphy from Clemson. Miles Murphy. All right, Giants in need of a linebacker. Did someone take Jack Campbell yet? No. We're going Jack Campbell out of Jack Iowa. Jack Campbell. Where is he? I don't know. He's the best available linebacker, according to Yeah, yeah. PFF. He was still available on my thing, too. Okay, hold on. Let me find him. Oh, um, I found him. Cowboys, since they need a running back, do they need a running back? I thought... They got Pollard, but they, they did ditch Zeke, so they maybe needed for depth. Jameer Gibbs? You've got maybe. four seconds left, Colt. There, did someone take Joy Porter already? No. I'm taking Joy Porter to the Cowboys. Good pick. Good pick, Colt. Not so <laughs> fast. Buffalo Bills. They need a defensive lineman. Um, I'm just going off of the cheat sheet here. They they don't care though. They're gonna draft Zay Flowers. Wow. To to bolster the receiving room. All right. The Bengals in need of a tight end. This oh, is a great on. tight end draft class. Did someone take Michael Mayer? No, yet? we have not. We're going Michael Mayer wow, to the Bengals. Michael that seems Mayer. like a great pick. All right. Saints. Who's our quarterback? Doesn't uh, matter. You have three seconds, Cole. Uh, three seconds. <laughs> okay, we need a tackle. One. Let's go, Anton Harrison, to protect whoever's quarterback right now. Wow. And oh, it's uh, Derek Carr. I forgot about that. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, Derek Carr. Carr. Yeah. Wow, I forgot about that as well. Uh, I've got the Eagles pick. Since it's the second to last pick of the first round, I don't want Luke Musgrave to slip out of the first round. So I'm going to pick Luke Musgrave to the Eagles. Okay. All right. It always seems like the Kansas City Chiefs and the defending champs pick who? Hayden. The Kansas City Chiefs always taking a wide receiver. Let's go with. Let's go. Did someone take Zay Flowers yet? I did. Yeah, I, I did. did. An absolute steal. Ryan, right. you got 30 seconds. Right. They're going to take Josh Downs out of North Carolina. Wow. Wow. So Josh Downs is off the board, and that does it for a Pacific point of view first round that was mock chaotic. draft. Notable things you see in there, Budge. Uh, notable things. Everything is. Everything. Everything is messed up here. Uh, <laughs> Witherspoon slipping all the way down to like 28 or whatever it was. I think he's like a projected top five pick. Can yeah. you save that though? For yes, tomorrow? I'm gonna save it. Because if for whatever reason we get that correct, we're all we moving need to receipts. Vegas and yeah. putting money on mind Black blowing Jack. stuff. But uh, we got like two minutes, boys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much that's it. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> get this all Holy set up, but uh, fiction. Yeah, yeah. Now there's no factor fiction. Hey, only one more show in here, guys. Yeah. Next true. week is our uh, final week as a Blaze affiliate. Oh yeah. What we, a ride. We, we were supposed to share some of our our memory. I'll share my memory, my favorite memory. memory. Uh, <laughs> our, our first show in here, we sat talking to space for the half an hour. Uh, <laughs> that, was that, was, that was pretty good. That's my fondest memory. Man, there's there's too many to count. I'm gonna have to say, some of the mascot debates got a little interesting, especially in the edit bays. <laughs> uh, some of the some of the deep tracks of Pacific point of view, but. You know, I'm going to say my all-time worst take on this show 
was I had Cal winning the Pac-12 North in 2020, and I just don't ah. understand why I did that. But my best take might have been predicting A&M to beat Bama. So there we go. So many memories. I really like the commercial power rankings. Also, I forgot what happened in this episode, but it was called Monkey Bites and Playoff Slights. Yep. That sounds amazing. Uh, that one was. That was about Gia the monkey. But Oh, yes. Oh, the yes. stripper monkey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, if that's all we've got. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tyler Budge. I'm Hayden Weber. And I'm Colty Almodova. And with that, we wave goodbye. Oh, how about the patience by Dietrich? And he's up and running!